And everybody said, Amen. All right. Man, this, it kind of sounded like last night when I was in my office going over my, my sermon. I had music going on. Exactly. It's all good. It's all good. Except this thing, how I move this up? Here we go. You know, Charlie, there's no wind blowing up here. This is, you don't have to have your seats locked in. Oh, okay. Making sure. Have thy own way, Lord, for we just saying. Have thy own way. Do we really mean that? Do you understand what that means? Have thy own way, Lord. Have thy own way. You know, there's no better place to find yourself than in the perfect will of God. Have thy own way, Lord. Have thy own way. It is interesting and exciting to me to see how God puts things together. You know, last night around 8 o'clock when I'm going over my, my sermon, that's a thought that I had in my head just going on through all of that. Like, Lord, may it not be me speaking, but that it be you speaking through me. Have thy own way, Lord. Just have thy own way. You know, sometimes that can be kind of scary because sometimes we don't agree. And, and, and we get scared. But you know, it's okay for me to be scared because I go to him when I get scared. It's okay for a time to be uncomfortable because I know that he will bring me the comfort that I need. Have thy own way. We ain't even started yet. But you know, God was just, just speaking to me. I told him, you better look out because the Holy Spirit moved. We might be here till noon. He's like, but we got to tear it down. I'm like, all right, I understand that, I understand. You know, uh, before I move on, October is a very special day in the churches. It's, uh, who can tell me what October is? Anybody? It's the day. No, this is the month of October, from the first. What's that? There you go, pastor appreciation. You know, we always try to surprise our pastors, don't we? But they all know it's the whole month. I don't think we've done anything here at our church, so I'm going to challenge you. Next week, we're going to be meeting at the park, all right? It's going to be crosswalk at the park. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to bring a little something. Maybe it might be a check that you wrote out for $2,000, or maybe it's a gift card for, for $20. Anything, y'all just bring it, and I want y'all to next Sunday at the park, just hand it over to Miss Karen, because this man, he won't tell her what he got, all right? Just hand it over to Miss Karen. But we've been there before. You know, my, my dad started just in Texas, about four different churches. So we've been there before. And let me tell you how amazing God works through people when he comes to blessing our pastor. Because believe me, there is so much unseen work that goes on. There are so many tears shed, not because y'all are mean to us, 
and sometimes they are, but so many tears shed because we feel so unworthy that God has placed us in the position that he has. But we are so grateful that he does that. Man, it's so amazing. Today we're going to be talking about an attitude of worship. The attitude of worship. You have your Bibles. Turn to Psalms 27, verse 4. It's going to be our, our, our focal verse. Psalms 27, verse 4. You all right? Okay, I'll get loud as we go. All right. And he tells us this. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. This is David speaking here. We, we all know the life that David lived. Oh, but he just hoped to find himself constantly in the presence of God. Oh, he made a whole bunch of mistakes. And he paid the consequences for the mistakes. But let's look at verse 4 here. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Let me read that again because I want you to get the mental picture of what David was doing right here. It says, everything I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. He says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. He doesn't say that I might drive by and just say, hey, there's the house of the Lord. He says, that I may dwell in the house. In the house of the Lord. And this is a lot more. And we'll get to it in a little bit. Than what it seems there. He says all of the days of my life. He's not talking about just Sunday. Oh Sunday. For me it's kind of easy to put the Jesus face on. The rest of the week. Believe me. Over the years I've learned to put the Jesus on. You know, and, 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 and people see that, as Ms. Karen was sharing before we started, how people see the Jesus in us. And before you know it, no matter where you are, they are asking for prayer. They are asking for prayer. And then David says this, all of the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. To gaze, y'all get that? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Oh, I remember when I first met Lisa. Oh, she gave me a picture. It was one of those glamour shots. I, I hung it on my wall, and I would just gaze. She's going to be my wife. She's going to be my wife. And every day I would gaze at that picture. He says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And to seek him at or in his temple. You know, when we lived in Indiana, our kids were, were small. 
And I remember Josiah was kind of confused between basketball, which is the Indiana sport, and baseball, which is we love baseball. And he must have been maybe two. And he was out in the front yard. We had gotten one of these uh, plastic balls and the big old size plastic bat. And he goes out there and he's throwing it up. And then he swings. Boy, it sounded like I hit the ball there, didn't it? <laughs> but he goes, strike one. He missed. So he kind of looks at the bat, looks at the ball, and he gets out there again, and then he tosses it up. And then he's like, mm. strike two. And between all of he kept saying, I'm the world's greatest hitter of all time. So I'm thinking, okay, you done struck twice. Let's see what was going to go on here. So he just kind of gets the ball, and he goes, I'm the best batter in the whole world. And he tosses, up, tosses the ball up higher, and then he just like takes a mega swing. Wow. And the bat just flies out of his hand. And it's like, he goes, strike three. And I'm just wondering what he's going to do. And I'm standing there in the front yard, sitting, when I stand, sitting in, the, in the chair. And he walks over to me. I'm like, Popso, what happened? He's like, well, Dad. I just struck out the world's greatest hitter. He said, I must be the world's greatest pitcher. You know? And I'm like, dude, that is good. That'll preach. <laughs> you know, and the amazing thing about that, it was all about his attitude. He, he could have just sat there and pouted. It's like, Dad, I missed the ball. I missed it. I missed it. But it's all about our attitude. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, about that attitude of worship. You know, attitude really matters, doesn't it? How we look at life. It can make the difference between a good day. It can make a difference between a bad day, a good marriage, a bad marriage, perhaps even a good life or, or a bad life. Chuck Sundahl said, said this. Says, Word can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude toward life. He said, the longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. How do we respond to the, the little speed bumps that come in our life? How do we view the things that seem to just kind of want to hold us back? You know, have you ever considered that your choice of attitude even affects your worship experience? Oh, there's been time that I've sat in the church parking lot before, and I've been, Lord, start here before I walk in that building. Start here before I walk in that building. When I was leading worship in, in Indiana, I used to tell our, our band and our singers, 
It's like, guys, if there's something going on in you that's getting in the way of your 100% worship unto the Lord, please just say, I need to sit out today. I said, and I'll let you just go and sit out. The attitude of worship. In Psalm 27, uh, David begins by expressing his confidence in God. And, and this declaration that he gives of, of faith is written in the, in the context of an attack from without his enemies. And David was always being attacked. And let's look at Psalm 27, 1 through 3. 1 through 3. Or 1, 2, 3. So this is what David is saying here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Amen. We got that. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. How did David know that this was going to happen? Let me tell you, because of his attitude of worship to God. He had experienced God stepping in and taking care of those enemies when people would say, you know, David, maybe you might want to get even. You're the king of our nation. You, you got to do something. And he would step back and it's like, God's got this. God's got this. So we see David here just coming to God and get in check his attitude of, of worship. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, is what he's saying here. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This is remarkable. You know, I was thinking, David, king of Israel, the leader of their army, the preacher of the word. I can't imagine all the pressures associated with all the different things that he had going on in his life. So how does he hold it together? And he does so by maintaining that attitude of worship in all things, which leads us to the discipline of worship. To be a person who is a true worshiper of, of the Lord Christ, uh, Christ requires a substantial commitment to personal discipline. That attitude of worship don't just happen. You don't wake up in the morning and there it is already. It takes a lot of discipline, personal discipline. You know, we live in a day and age when there are so many things that compete for our worship and our devotion. And believers are often forced to, to make these choices between one and the other. David resisted that temptation to something, allow something to become or come in the way of his worship. 
And then David chose instead to make God his number one priority. That didn't mean that he quit being the leader of the army. That didn't mean that he quit being the leader of the nation. That just meant that his focus was on God because he knew that God would help him with the rest. And that's where to gaze upon his beauty. Do you remember the run-in that David had with Goliath back in 1 Samuel? We, we, we've all heard the story. And I've heard it told so many different ways. But you, one of the things that I admire about David, remember he would just go in and take some lunch to his brothers because he was too small to go fight. But as he's walking up there to see, uh, find his brothers to deliver the lunch, he hears Goliath come out, and then he is making fun of God, and the army's retreating back, and Goliath just laughs. And he's like, something's wrong here. And then he tries to, he goes and he finds the leader. And then finds his brother like, God, do you not hear what Goliath is saying? He is making fun of God. How can you just stand here and see and hear that happen? And David is like, I mean, the brothers are like, didn't you see how big he is? And David is like, God is bigger. And he's like, I'll take him on. It's that attitude. Some saw Goliath as real big. And David saw Goliath as someone that he knew God, through God, could take care of him. And he went up there, we read the story, and we saw how David became highly motivated just from hearing the arrogance of Goliath. And he's like, I'll take him. I'll take him. See, David was saying, hey, you can make fun of me, Goliath, all you want. You can make fun of my mother. You can make fun of my cousins, my brother. You can make fun of all of those. But don't you dare make fun of my God. How many times have we just stood silent when people made fun of our God and our Jesus? The attitude of worship. Then when David saw Goliath making fun of God, man, he just became angry. Not only at Goliath, but also at the unwillingness of the Philistine to respect and honor God through confronting Goliath. See, the practice of Christian worship is the purpose for which we exist. To worship Him. One thing I ask, He prayed, this is what I seek. You know, let me share with you this morning this, and you remember anything from the sermon, I want you to remember this. You will never know Jesus is all you need 
until you realize he's all you got. I've been there. You'll never realize that Jesus is all you need until you realize that he's all you got. Lord, I need you. You ever find yourself just alone, lonely, just crying, the whole world is crushing in, and you feel like you have nowhere to go, and you say, Lord, I need you. And there's some time that we just yell out, don't we? Because we want to make sure he hears us. And that leads to the destination of worship, that I may dwell in the house of of the Lord. See, David here is not referring to the tabernacle, the place where God dwelt in the times preceding Solomon, or the temple built during his son's reign. These places were not dwellings to be lived in, or neither were they eternal as we find in Psalms 23. But David was speaking here of an ongoing intimate relationship with God where we live in his very presence 24-7 that we live every day in his very presence that I may dwell in the house of the Lord see worship is meant to bring us to the throne of God that we might grow in our understanding in him See, this is what Jesus refers to as that eternal life that we find in John 17. In providing for us life that would never end, God himself was giving himself to us. See, worship doesn't bring us into the presence of God through his Son, then one of two things have gone wrong. Either we are worshiping the wrong thing or we're worshiping for the wrong reason. Notice when I say worship, I, I haven't mentioned a song or music or none of that. What is your object now of worship? What is your object of worship, you know, the very first commandment given to Israel was to have no other gods before me. How many gods do we have nowadays? How many idols do we have? He said, have no other gods before me. He alone is the one we worship. And God is clear on this. Whatever we do, it is to be done for his Glory, we find that in Corinthians. See, he is so central to our existence that the most routine things can and should be done for his glory. Think about it. Everything that we do, he says, his word tells us, as unto the Lord. I remember my dad used to say, hey, man, I need you to change the oil on the car. I'm like, man, I don't want to get dirty. As unto the Lord. Go on. I need you to mow the yard. 
but no more does it start on the first pull, as unto the Lord. Go. You know, but those things impacted my life so much that as a growing up, different things that come up that I don't feel I want to do, as unto the Lord. The attitude of worship. Let me ask you also this morning, what is your motivation for worship? See, we see an example where, where the Lord didn't receive Cain's sacrifice, not because it wasn't right. Cain did everything exactly like he was supposed to do. But the problem was that Cain was not right with God. And God rejected his sacrifice. What is your motivation of worship? Do we come to God because things all of a sudden got real hard? Or do we come to God because we, we got our eye in this, this 1966 Ford pickup with an RV on it, and we want to sell the house and get that, and your wife is saying, you crazy. I'll be, I'll be crazy comfortable in that little RV. What is your motivation for worship? What is your motivation for worship? Have we truly desired to please God? Have we truly, truly desired to please God? Lord, I pray that everything I do this day pleases you. That's a prayer that I pray every single morning. Lord, I pray for that opportunity that you send me to tell someone that Jesus loves them. And may everything that I do please you. See, many people seek access to the throne of God for many, many reasons. And oftentimes it's because we want something from him. But there is, however, one motive that seems more right than others. Our motivation is because we want to know him. We want to know him. Uncle Joe is Lisa's uh, uncle. Great, great man. Awesome guy. And then we found out he had cancer. We went to go visit him. And just weeks later, the cancer had just gotten very, very aggressive. You know, the first time I had started sharing Christ with him. And when we went back, if it wasn't for that sign on the door that said Joe Rodriguez, I would have never recognized who he was. He was just so wasted away. But when we walked in, he had a smile on his face. He's like, Joe, I got to tell you something. We're both named Joe. I got to tell, tell you something. He said, at night, I feel somebody's here with me. He said, and he holds my hand. Through the night. Oh, I got so excited. I said, Uncle Joe, that's Jesus. It's like I know. 
But I also knew that the time was real, real close for him to go make his saving. Here he is just hurting from cancer, but had a big smile on his face because he knew that God was there with him. He's like, I can feel someone here with me. And he sits right here in this chair by my bed. And he holds my hand. I remember the chills that I just got on my body. And he's like, Uncle Joe, that's Jesus. That is Jesus. Now let's look at the duration of worship. Here's what David says. All of the days of my life. He doesn't say just Sundays, just Wednesdays, or Thursday night Bible study. He says, all of the days of my life. See, David could think of, of nothing better than to spend the rest of his life dwelling in the very presence of God. See, worship is not a momentary experience. It is a lifelong pursuit where we give all that we are to honor all that He is. In Psalms 34, 1 to 3. David provides for us a model of what this looks like. First one, he says, we worship God willingly. And those verses says, I will bless the Lord all the times. See, worship is that free will offering that we give to God. I will bless the Lord all the time. Out of the same Psalms in 34, we find that we worship God continually. I will bless the Lord all the time. There is never an inappropriate time for worship. There is never an inappropriate time for worship. Back, let me take you back to Indiana, Walmart. We used to say, I don't want to go to Walmart. Way on the, across the town, the town was only like two miles wide. But I remember me and Josiah had gone to Walmart. You're probably wondering why Josiah was always with me. And that's because he used to drive Lisa nuts. So he'd go with me. And we're here at this Walmart, and I put him in, you know, where the, the kids sit in, in, in the in the, the cart, and then in the, <laughs> not that long more, the cart, and then he's there, and we're going down through the toy section. I like tempting my kids, you know, through the toy section. And I would always get him a Hot Wheel. He, he could pick his Hot Wheel. He had his Hot Wheel in his hand, and then he starts singing, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will praise the Lord all my life. And I look, dude, that, that's cool. And then he looks at me. He's got his hat. Well, I will praise the Lord all of my life. 
I will praise the Lord all of my life. And then he just starts getting louder and louder. My daughters know what I'm talking about because he does it with that Aggie song now. And then he's like, I will praise the Lord all of my life. At the top of his lungs, I will praise the Lord all of my life. And then part of me wanted to say, hey, you sh people here. Then I'm like, no, go ahead. <laughs> keep singing. I will praise. You don't have to tell Josiah twice to keep singing, especially that Aggie song. And then he's singing real loud. And right around the, the corner comes this little old lady with her shopping cart. And I'll, that's probably not politically correct to say little old lady. But y'all yeah, get what I'm talking about. We come, she comes around the corner and she looks at me. She goes, are you his father? I said, yes, ma'am. I thought she was going to say, well, tell your kid to shut up. No, but she's like, thank you for raising up your child that way. That is beautiful for him to sing on the top of his lungs. I will praise the Lord all of my life. And I said, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. There is never an inappropriate time for worship. Then we worship God personally. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Oh, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Father, you know what I'm going through. Father, you know that you've called me to do this, Father. But Lord, it's getting, the road is getting tough. It's getting hard. But I boast in you anyhow. Because I know that you are with me. You are there. And we worship God personally. But we also worship God corporately. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know, we still have people that haven't been to church since pre-COVID, but that watch online. I think God has given us permission to gather back together through his word here. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together let us exalt his name together my kids took, took me to the F1 race we had an amazing amazing time and there I'm seeing literally this set records of biggest attendance for a single sporting event that weekend Friday Saturday there was 380 something um, thousand people. The Sunday event was 145,000 people. And I would say 98% of them weren't wearing no mask. We yelling for our, yes, come on, Sergio, yes. 
Why can't we gather together now? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That means that we are meant to worship God with others. With others. Now, let me ask you this. What is your desire of worship? What is your desire of worship? David said this. He says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. See, David had two desires that we learned from this statement here. It was to see something and to seek something. To see the beauty of the Lord. In Hebrew, we find it told this way. It says, behold the beauty of the Lord. And David is expressing absolute delight here in just seeing the beauty of the Lord. And his other desire was to seek him in his temple. And that is the idea of actively and passionately pursuing God that we might know him better and enjoy him more. It is the desire described in Psalms 42.1 where we read, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. So my soul pants for you, O God. Do you get that? Let me, let me put it this way. At the end of the F1 races, we park in Light Q, which is almost four miles away, because they have shuttles. And it's cheaper, like, over there. And then after the race, we get in line to take our shuttle ride. Christina had already told us that bus ain't coming. I'm like, Christina, let's have some faith. We paid for shuttle to come pick us up. And then... I guess an hour passed by. I told her, they'll be here within 40 minutes. No, I said 30-something minutes. She goes, I'll give you 40, and they won't be here. <laughs> so she goes, Dad, it's been an hour, and they're still not here. We just need to take off. I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, man, I had trouble park getting from the track to the edge right here, much less another four miles. So we wait a little bit longer. Then I saw some workers finally show up, and there's a crowd of people around the workers being mean to these workers because the workers had just told them the bus drivers quit and left. And then they're yelling like, well, you better do something. The poor kid is like, what do you mean do, jump on the back of my bike? He can't do nothing. So at that point, I looked at the kids. It's like, Follow me. So all I know, it was daytime when we left, and it was pitch black by the time we got down to the truck. And when I got to the truck, I'm like, I need some water. I need some water. I was so thirsty. And thank the Lord that I had left my Yeti there with ice and water in the truck, and it still had ice and water. 
on my tumbler. And this is what it means here. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, oh God. Every step that I took, Allah, Lord, give me one more. Give me one more. So when we got home, I told Lisa, I done my exercise for the rest of the year. <laughs> I was sore for a week. But you know, my kids were telling me, Dad, slow down. And I'm like, I can't. I can't because my legs were like those pendulum things. They start shaking like that. And I didn't want to stop because they might not start again. So here I go. And I'm just, we're, we're about a half a mile away. And Josiah's like, Dad, do you want me to run uh, and just get the truck and bring it down at least to the edge of the parking lot? I'm thinking in my head, boy, you should have thought about that while we were by the store. I would have stayed at the store, then you could have <laughs> brought the truck. So I gave him the key, I'm like, take off, Pa. And we finally made it to the truck. And my first thing there was I told the kids, thank you for such an opportunity to just be a part of this race. Then I was thanking the Lord, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that I had my kids four miles. Even though I was ahead of them, we were all <laughs> together there going, going back. Two desires that we could see his beauty. And I pray that we can increasingly seek him out. As a King and country comes up to lead us on the last song. <laughs> I want you to think about that. What is your attitude of worship? What motivates you to worship? Or are you finding yourself a little stagnant? Of not really just moving because either you don't know what step to take Oh, you know that if you take that step, God is going to take over. And that kind of instills a little fear in you. I hope that after this morning, you can just look at God in the eyes, in his eyes, and just gaze at his beauty. And through that, you seek him out. And then start that relationship with him. And saying, Lord, you know everything that I've been through. Father, you know the thing that have kept me away from you. Lord, I ask for forgiveness for those things. Lord, I need your help. Believe me, he's eagerly waiting for you to reach out to him. You know, when I first met Lisa... Yes, I gazed at the beauty. But I also knew that I had a 
seek her out because that was going to be my wife. That was going to be my wife. And I sought her out. She fell in love with me, couldn't let me go. And it's been 25 years, Randy, 25 years that have gone like that. The attitude of worship. Father, we come to you, Lord, at this time saying thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for all that you do, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, you've given me, Father, to, to bring your message, Father. I pray, Lord, that I pleased you, Father, through this, Lord. I pray, Father, that the hearts will be moved, Lord. Father, I pray for Crosswalk Fleurville, Lord. Father, I pray that this group that is here this morning, Lord, I thank you, first of all, for this group, Lord, who are brave enough, Father, to face the challenge and say, I will be part of the start of this church. Guide us, Father. Walk with us, Lord. Walk ahead of us, Father. Walk beside us, Father. Walk behind us, Lord, when we need that push, Father. May we sense your presence, Lord every day of our life thank you father for heath and karen lord who have prayed so so much father for this church father we thank you lord for their leadership and not giving up on crosswalk flugerville lord amen guys i'm gonna be at the back and uh, I think Pastor uh, Heath will be at the back. Also, you just want to talk to somebody, definitely come back there.